0: Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Know mean? Today we're going to be learning Kisavai Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Kisavai. Our topic is a fascinating one, and it is the topic of Bikurim. So let's understand what this means. Our uh, Parsha as a whole is 122 sukim It's a long parasha, but our first Aliyah is rather short, it's 11 psockim running from Perik Chafav Aleph to Yud Aleph. So let's take a little look at the summary of the Aliyah and then some basic points to ponder. So we hear that when you enter into the land, which Hashem has given you and you'll inherit it, you will take the first fruits of the land which Hashem has given you and place them in a basket. You will bring them to the base of migash the place Hashem will choose, and you'll bring the coin and say to him, I have come to the land which Hashem has sworn to my ancestors. And um, the coin will take the basket and place it near the Mizbech, and the person will then recite the following proclamation, which is five Sukhim Long, which goes as follows. I'll translate that a little bit later and he went down to mitzrayim and became a huge nation even though he came in few in number the egyptians then afflicted us and placed upon us huge burdens and we called out to hashem and he heard us and saw our suffering he took us out uh, to egypt uh, out of egypt with great might and wonders and he brought us to the land flowing with milk and honey and now i'm here to produce or to present the first fruit of the land You will then take the basket, place it in front of Hashem, and rejoice with all the good, um, with all the parts of society together with you. So it's a very beautiful um, statement, a very beautiful description over here. For your basic questions is, what is Arami Oved Avi? What does that statement actually mean? So the way we're used to to translating it is based on the Haggadah, based on the most classic Mephorashim that refers to Yaakov and Lavan. Arami um, is the Armenian who's referring to Lavan. And Avi, my father, refers to Yaakov, who is being persecuted by Lavan, which is fascinating because he doesn't seem to be the most criminal of all anti-Semites in Jewish history, certainly by a long, by a long stretch, but that, that nonetheless, it is the introduction to our story. The Rashbam, however, disagrees and says that this refers to Avraham. There's no antagonist here, it's simply Arami, Oved Avi, my father was uh, sojourning um, and uh, he was fi- he was uh, lost off and found his way. That refers to Arama, who himself was called Armenian because of the places that he lived. Now, a very basic question is: is that this Aliyah actually forms the basic structure of the Haggadah. So, on Pesach, what we do is we take four pesukim out of this. Then, those four pesukim are four stages: arrival in Egypt, um, oppression in Egypt, calling out to God, and His listening and being taken out of Egypt. Right? Those are the four stages which are used as the four psukhem and they're the framework of the centerpiece of Magid and what the Haggadah simply does is it passes out of those psukhem and takes a phrase and explains it in greater context so it uses those that structure as well so why is this the place that the Torah looks for Magid for the Haggadah surely there would be so many more relevant and direct examples of the exodus of Egypt in Parashas, Shmois, Ereva and Beshalach. So there's a lot of explanations over here. So the Malbim, the Malbim Zagare explains that the reason is because this is a very easy and simple summary. It summarizes the whole idea in four verses. So they serve as a superstructure into which we can add the color and the perspective. Now. Another perspective is, is it's also a combination of doing and saying in the same way as the Bikurim ceremony is actually a show and tell. So the Haggadah is supposed to also be show and tell. Here I'm presenting, here I'm demonstrating, here I'm showing and that it's this experiential living as well. That's uh, that's another perspective by Rabbi David Silber. Another perspective is, is that Devarim actually is really the, just like the Hagada, because Devarim is speaking to a generation that was not actually part of the Exodus. The people who are in this generation are the next generation, so the first people who did not witness the, ex- the Exodus themselves necessarily or at a very young age. And that's the truth of anybody who's at the Seder. When we're at the Seder, we're talking about Yetzias Mitzrayim, Exodus, when you did not actually witness it. So the The Bikurim acts as the perfect example of the historical consciousness of the nation of Israel as well. Um, another perspective could be is that this immediately follows the attack of Amalek, which is fascinating because Amalek is this idea of, and there's a lot of shared language, you know, the, the idea of, of placement by Niach Lashem and the Hanach of the of the Bikurim, Nachalal um, Rishta, the Havah, All the, there's a lot of shared language. But besides the shared language, the idea is that Amalek taking advantage of the weak, can is is seen as their what their emblem their hallmark character as well when it comes to uh, when it comes to the idea of bikurim bikurim is the realization that Hashem saved us a slave nation at the bottom strata of Egyptian society, and that immense kindness is being contrasted to Amalek's cruelty. Towards the week. Putting that in perspective is perhaps what's being seen over here, which is why the other attack of Amalek, uh, which is recorded in, um, in Pasha's b'shalach. or the actual attack of Amalek, is uh, contrasted with the way that Yisroy sees and appreciates it. Um, also in the Haggadah it immediately follows Vahisha Amdas, so a similar kind of pattern as well. I and mean, it's interesting to notice, there's another perspective, and that is the idea of Mesor. If you go back to those two characters, that Agada understands is being referred to by Arami of Edavi, referring to Yaakov, Vinu and Lavan. It's interesting that Yaakov has a, a, a title in the Torah called Eben Yisrael, the Rock of Israel. Eben is actually a acronym for Av and Ben, or Av Ben Neched, which means father, son, grandson, or father and son and that's the notion of continuity. Yaakov was the first of the patriarchs who had what's called Mithasa Shlema where all of his children were in the fold as opposed to Avram and Yisraq who had uh, children who kind of went out of the fold as well. So that being the case, he was called Even Yisrael. Lavan, by contrast, is the person who is Loben. If I, uh, Yaakov is Even, Av and Ben, he is Loben, he's not a son. He's the one who answers first in front of his father. He doesn't respect his, him his father. Here's the notion of the lack of connection between generation to generation. Well, when we want to set up what it is to convey a idea of something that happened in the past, which is relevant to me now because it happened to my ancestors, we use Yaakov and Lovon as the opposite ends of the spectrum as to what tradition looks like and does not look like. And that's perhaps why this is chosen over here as well. If we move on to another idea, you notice that there's four Psokim that are quoted in the Arami in the in the, the Hagara, but the fifth pasuk of that now Hashem, you brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, is not quoted in the Haggadah. Why is that not the case? So, uh, Lord Jonathan Sachs has a beautiful essay called The Missing Fifth, where not only is this fifth pasuk missing in the Haggadah, but there's other fifths that are missing. So, for instance, there really are um, four kosos, four cups, but there's a fifth cup, and the more debates as to the significance of this, but one opinion that's found in the Rishonim is the fifth cup is the kos Shel Eliyah, which is the the, the kos of Gu'ula. There's also four. Four expressions of geula. What well, says if we tell to the girl to the kachti. But um, what is interesting is there's actually a fifth expression which is Vavese, Hashem brought us into the land of Israel, which is missing. So all of those are, are the expression of what we call it, the final arrival, arrival in the land of Israel. Those are not the focus of Pesach because Pesach was only getting out, not getting in yet. It's not the, we've not reached the final um, rung of the ladder yet. It's not the final and that we're, that we're commemorating in Yet Mitzrayim. And similarly, there are four, four sons. But as the Lubavitcher Rebbe famously says, there's the fifth son who's not yet at the table, He's It hasn't even made it to the Pesach Seder, and that's unfortunately many, many, many people in our generation who are not at the Pesach Seder. And that's, so to speak, underlying and underscoring what is is missing in the Seder, um, what is missing in our Pesach still, which is the missing fifth. Um, it happens to be the whole procession of Bikurim is a very beautiful one. The Mishnah adds in a lot of the color to this and it describes that when they would bring the Bikurim up, the farmers would have a ox walking in front of the wagon, it had, its horns would cover, be covered with gold, and it had olive branches twisted around its horns, and they would play a flute in front of the procession with the basket of the Bikurim until they came to Jerusalem, and then they would stop playing the flute and they would bring it up into Jerusalem. A very beautiful and ornate ceremony. So this is found in the Mishnah and nice Bikurim, Perigimel Mishnah Gimel. Um, and Cook says, why all, all these details? So he says that in life, a lot of times people make for themselves goals. So one type of goal that people make for themselves is I want to become rich. I want to be successful. That's the gold of the horns. And then the other people say, well, I'm, I want to be strong. I want to be um, a healthy person. I want to be a person who I want to look after my body, my material um, and uh, that, my physique. That is, the per- that, that is expressed by the ox. The ox is what called might. And then those people say, well, I'll make it in my life. I don't want to be, uh, richness is not relevant to me and my physique is not relevant to me, but my intellect is and I want to study and be wise and become a, become a professor and, and have a PhD and be a lecturer. And that's so to speak represented by the olive branch. Olive always be referring to the olives, the, the, the menorah, so to speak, the idea of wisdom, of light, illumination. And so what Rav, Rav Cook points out is that when in his commentary on the Mishnah Sambi in Ein Ayah, he says that in life we make for ourselves these goals, but those goals can go up and down. Meaning to say the, the, the Khalil, the flute, which is played, is played at two times in the Jewish lifestyle cycle. It's played at a simcha and it's played at a funeral, actually, interesting, in the times of the Gomorrah. Which means to say that all of these ideals can, can lead us to, you know, very high and very low places in life. Until we arrive in Yerushalayim, Kimitzion Teitzet Torah, when we arrive, realize that all these values are wonderful values and they can be used for great things, but they need to be guided, at Teitzet Torah, by the Torah itself. When you arrive in Yerushalayim, the Chalil, the flute, which introduces this level of um, of flux, of volatility in all of these three values, disappears because when Torah is leading and guiding, then yes. One's physical success, one's material success, one's intellectual success can all fall into place if the starting point is a real point, not just a, we'll call it relative successful um, a destination, but an objective, falling into place and in objective standards of the Torah. That would be where it is successful. That's perhaps part of the ceremony of the Big Korean. With us, we close. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful.